Hey, good evening, everybody, and uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Today's going to be the first episode of um, Story Time. Sort of. Well, I, as you can tell, I'm just telling my story. I'm just telling stories that relate to human consciousness, self-consciousness, ego consciousness, how it all connects, and my experience with it, so that you can know there's a living, breathing, tangible, practical, and pragmatic example of someone who is all right, despite what the mind can do, and despite knowing that the world around is run very largely on mind-based systems. doesn't make them good or bad. It just means I want to relate this to you so that you can find your way in it, um, lighten up, and try and find that last vestige of, of freedom, as uh, Viktor Frankl so aptly put it in Man's Search for Meaning. The last of human freedoms, the ability to choose one's thoughts in any situation. And I will add a further thought to that. That means if you can choose your thoughts, you can choose your feelings. Because thoughts come from, or feelings come from one of two places. They either come from your thoughts, or feelings just happen when you have no thoughts, and your senses and your being reacts to the world around, or is at peace with the world around? Because we don't always have to be thinking to be being. So this story time is going to take me back to one of the first epic things that ever happened to me in my life. After having gotten through a pretty high degree of shyness, gotten through some health issues early in life, and through after my first relationship. So here's here's the setting and the story to how I met Ozzy Osbourne. So on New Year's Eve of 1996, I was six years into my first serious relationship, and... You know, it was really just a glorified friendship. No one's fault, but that's just where it was. The intimacy was severely lacking. The communication was very surface level. We were both shy. We both had issues, you know. We really did. And yet I was yearning for whatever deeper and more could be described at as the time. I was reading philosophy. I was watching TV shows that were a little bit more mystical. And I realized uh, when I turned to my partner time and time again, I was wondering, hey, what do you think about life after death? Hey, what do you think about this or that, you know, philosophy or aspect of a religion? Um, she wouldn't have an opinion. She wouldn't even be a wanting to discuss it. And I realized she just hadn't contemplated it. Again, no one's fault. Doesn't make anyone smarter than anyone or more interesting than anyone. It just is what it is. But we had come to, I had come to a point where I realized, huh, this can't really go on. I'm not going to be satisfied within the context of this relationship, and it's not fair to either of us. So on New Year's Eve of 1996, I made, I think, my one and only New Year's resolution, because I've never uh, put much weight in picking a specific day of the year to make a decision to do something, when honestly we should be able to do that anytime it's necessary. But I did on that one, and I said, you know, next year... I'm going to take that final step. I'm going to leave a relationship I've been contemplating leaving for well over a year. And I'm going to do what I need to do, whatever that is. And I didn't know what that was. But I made that vow. And so early in 1997, I started exploring other possibilities. I started um, going out more on my own without my partner. 
um, hanging out with friends, listening to music. Um, those were some of the first times I contemplated going out to sing karaoke, but I was honestly still too, still too scared to do it, so I didn't, didn't do it. And over the course of months and into the summer, I just became more and more sure of myself to the point where I tried to bring up and have discussions about, you know, where we were at. And then eventually, you know, got her to go to counseling with me to talk about it, wherein the counselor actually didn't have much to say other than after we explained our perspectives, saying, I don't think you two are in the same place. And I was a little dumbfounded when I would talk and say how I felt. And my partner just said, well, I'm happy. I, I'm fine. And I just, that was the, honestly, the final straw because I was like, if you can be unhappy when I'm relating to you my unhappiness, not in life or with myself ultimately, but in, in this relationship, well, there you go. So I resolved to leave the relationship and uh, eventually I did. And then I just started for the first time in a very long time, probably since early childhood or those fleeting moments when I you know, was so, so involved in doing something that, uh, you know, I wasn't thinking. I was very much myself and I was happy with myself for having the wherewithal to make that decision because as a shy, tentative person up to that point, I felt I had done a lot of what I was supposed to do, what I was told to do, what would be the good thing to do, what I would think other people would want to see me as a good person for. And I've worked on some level, but obviously not deep enough because I had that inkling to want to do and experience more of myself and of life. And so almost immediately after making the decision and leaving the relationship, I met my next partner in the most random way possible. This was 1997, and I had gone online in and looked uh, up people in discussion groups, bulletin boards as they were called back then, and ended up talking to someone who was a fair bit younger than me. I was 29 and she was 18. And it was very, at first we, we didn't know. We were just talking to each other about music, about life, about things, joking around. But there was some undertone to it that was drastically different than anyone I had ever experienced talking with before. There was a maturity. There was a depth of character. And we connected and then talked for months and months and months. And we eventually got together and ended up spending a good chunk of a very good part of my life together, and hopefully our lives, which I, I think I can say. But over those few months, we talked openly, honestly. We questioned each other. We actually tried to kind of test each other about beliefs, about life and opinions. And it was funny. It got to be a running joke that every time one of us would say something, they would go, oh yeah, me too. I believe that. Oh, I agree with that. And we were on so many fundamental same pages that it seemed obvious after a couple months that we'd, we'd be uh, spending some time together. We didn't know how or when, but we it just worked out that way. Now, during this period, things just seemed to be clicking and going right. Synchronicities, things lining up. And this is where the story comes in. So I had moved into my own place a few months after leaving my first partner and, you know, it felt a good sense of freedom. I had a good job. Uh, I was communicating with my new partner on a daily basis 
when I got home from work and whatnot in the evenings on, you know, on the phone or on, on chat lines. And it was, it was very fulfilling. Um, I was happy. I didn't really want anything more. And as I was lying in bed one morning, listening to the usual radio show, uh, CJ92 in, in Calgary, on the Monday morning, they announced they were having a contest that week and it was going to be a scavenger hunt. And so I thought, okay, that's interesting. First morning, Monday morning, they announced what they're looking for someone to find, and that was the thing. They were going to name something, and someone had to bring that thing into the radio station. The first person there got entered into a contest. They would do it for five days, and on Friday, they would announce the winner of the contest who was going to get a trip to L.A. to see some live bands. And on Monday, I didn't think much of it. I just knew I got up every morning and listened to the morning show anyway. I had my radio set early because I love lounging in bed before... Um, my work day, listening to a bit of music, uh, listening to the news of the day, whatever the case may be. On Tuesday morning, I was lying in bed, and they announced in the morning, okay, the first person to come in to the studio with um, currencies from five different um, countries is entered in the contest. Okay, well, here's where you need to know that up to that point in my life, I was a coin collector. I had a coin collection and a paper money collection. And they wanted paper money specifically. And the other neat part of the equation is I had moved to within a few minutes of the radio station location. And I had a, a car. This was about 5.30 or 6 in the morning, or just after 6 perhaps, that they announced the contest. And so when I heard that, I looked to my closet, which was where my books of, uh, of coins were, got up, walked over, flipped through it, took out five pieces of currency from five different countries, quickly got dressed, got in my car, and drove to the radio station. Now, I was there so fast that the doors to the radio station were locked. I had to knock on the door, and someone let me in. And so I went into the radio station. And by the way, the, at this point, I was more interested because I thought, this is pretty cool. Because the band that they were highlighting to go see was the band Live, which was quickly becoming one of my favorite bands. And uh, who I remember hearing this, the song Lightning Crashes play as the number one song of the year a couple years previous when I was living in Kamloops. And listening to it at midnight in a, in a video store where I was working as a clerk all by myself and the song came on and I just kind of was mesmerized. One of many times I've been mesmerized by a song and stopped dead in my tracks. So since then, I had become a fan. Not an ultra fan, but a fan. I knew who this band was. I knew that I knew I liked them. And their new material was very philosophical, spiritual even. And I was getting more into that groove myself, so it was very interesting to me. So I was down to the radio station, and they let me in. And uh, I could see the guys in the, in, the, in the booth. And that's when I found out, well, they're going to put you on the radio to talk about you know, the scavenger hunt. So they did just that. And for a second, of course, I got ultra like scared because, you know, still a pretty shy guy, not used to talking in front of people and to people. But then I thought, okay, this is the radio. No one can see me. It's all right. You just got to talk about what you did. So they put the headphones on me, sat me down at a chair and just said, hey, what's your name? What are you doing? And what do you got for us? So I described it all to them. And they said, that's awesome. You are entered into the contest to uh, win a trip to L.A. to see the band live on Friday. And then they looked at me. I had, a shaved, I had shaved my head at that point. And the lead singer 
for live also had a shaved bald head and they looked at me and said wow he even looks a bit like ed huh interesting and they sent me on my way now i got in the car i drove home and i had an overwhelming feeling that i was going to win the contest i just figured that was it and so i went home and the rest of the week i got up in the morning i heard other people's experiences you know the next three people to enter into the draw friday came and they had announced that they were going to call the winner at home at 4.30 or 5 o'clock, something like that. Now, I usually worked until 4.30 or 5 o'clock um, for, for a landscape company. And then I would drive home, which was probably a 20, 25-minute drive at that point. Well, that day I told my boss I had to leave early. Didn't say why. I just said I had to leave early. So I did. I went home. I made sure I got home with a little bit of time to spare. Um, walked in my door, got comfortable, and literally stared at the phone waiting for it to ring, knowing it was going to ring. Well, whatever the appointed time was, came, and the phone rang. One in five chance. Those are pretty good odds. But the point of this is to tell you, I knew. I knew I was going to win that trip. No, no doubt at all in my mind. And that's one of a few knowings, many more I'll be talking about at some point, that have happened since then and explainable from the point of view of synchronicity being, you know, when you're being yourself, no ulterior motive, right? You'll, you'll be in the right place at the right time for certain things to happen. And this is, was the first experience of this happening. So boom, I won a trip to LA. Now here's what ended up happening. They had, they had tickets for two. And so I picked a buddy of mine on one of the landscape crews who also knew the band. Uh, I didn't know this person that well, but he was, he was a good friend, a guy that I knew I'd get along with. And they sent me and him off to L.A. The other thing was they sent us with a couple hundred bucks spending money. And in the weeks leading up to the trip, which, which was in December, uh, the contest had happened a good month, month and a half before that, they actually sent a little prize pack to my office, which I didn't know anything about. They sent a huge poster of the uh, current album cover signed by the band and some other promotional material uh, one of the albums and, so, and something else so the time came we ended up we fly to LA we get to the Universal Hilton which was uh, near where the show was going to be which is at the Universal Amphitheater and you know me and my buddy have the first night to ourselves so we rent a car we drive around LA you know just experience things he had never been there um, I had been there previously with my parents in 1984, the summer, right after the Olympics, and uh, saw a bit of the city, but, you know, I was with my parents. This was me with my buddy, so we could just drive around and, you know, look at tattoo shops, check out a couple other places, walk the Santa Monica Pier, even though it was, you know, December and it was in the rain. It was still like, holy crap, we're here, this is cool. Then the next night, the show. On the way to the show... Actually, how did this happen? Yeah, on the way to the show, we were walking through this Universal, um, not Universal Studios, but this area between the um, hotel and um, the Universal Amphitheater, which was an indoor venue. We walked around looking at all the sh shops and cafes, and we walked past a hallway, and I saw a sign for um, Palm Reader. And I thought, that's interesting. I've never done that before. And it caught my eye. I don't know why. So we walked around. We had dinner. And then we wanted to go back to our hotel room before going to the show. And on the way back, I said to my buddy, you know what? I'm going to 
I'm going to do this. It's at like $15 or $20 or something like that. I've never done this before. I'm in this new phase of life. I'm feeling very open and free. And I had just left a relationship. I had a new one. I had just won this contest. I thought, let's see. Let's see what this person has to say about me. So we went upstairs. Now, at this point, um, I wasn't wearing anything overly interesting, descriptive. I had no wedding ring on. I, I had left my relationship there were no divorce papers yet but in my mind it was completely done and I had taken any the wedding ring off a month before so I walked upstairs and I, I, I saw that the, the lady doing the readings was just was sitting there across the room and she was with someone and she looked at, at me and I just kind of raised my eyebrows to indicate hey I'd like to I'd like a, a reading next and she just indicated you know sit down you'll be next without uh, disturbing what she was currently doing with someone. So eventually my my turn came. The other gentleman left and I got up and sat opposite her, opposite of the table. And I sat down opposite her. I put my hands underneath the table so she couldn't, just I wanted to be as nondescript as possible. You know, I neither believed nor didn't believe in what could happen, but I was just like, hey, let's just be here, be open, be honest. So she looked at me and started, um, talking and just started talking out of the blue about things and asking me questions and then she brought up a subject and said uh, out of the blue hmm there's someone that's very very angry with you you right now someone that's very frustrated and disappointed with you and I said yeah that could be true absolutely that could be true but of course that's that's vague and so she said her name is um I'm getting the name Jill and that was my ex's middle name and she went on to describe someone who you know felt felt wronged by me even though it wasn't and i said yep that's pretty much the situation and uh so that i thought that was that's interesting then she kept talking she said you know i feel someone else very close to you someone's presence that's hovering over you hanging over you almost an angel watching over you and you've had a really interesting experience of this the last few months well my aunt had, had passed a few years before, quite a few years, but she had always been held close to, very close to my heart. Um, if anything had ever happened to my mother in this lifetime and I went to stay with my aunt, I always knew I'd be okay because those two are two of the nicest souls I ever have known. And so I always knew I'd be in extremely good hands and extremely good heart with her. And I got a chill up my spine when she said that. She looked she looked over my left shoulder as if someone was there, uh, a spirit or, you know, some essence, and I didn't know. But, you know, the, that connection of feeling, even if it was inspired by her saying that, instantly made me feel, you know, very grateful and full and teary-eyed and happy to know that my aunt was, uh, or the spirit of her, or my memory of her being inspired in that moment was, was there in the room. So that, that uh, felt nice, and that was fine, but that was, again, just something she said that could or could be true or could not be true. I didn't think about it beyond that overly, in an overly mystical fashion. And then she looked at me and said, huh, hey, are you an actor? Are you involved in some project? I said, no, no, not an actor at all. Um, never been, never been in a play, never done anything like that. Now, in the back of my mind in that moment when she said that, the actual first thing that came to my mind was, you know, up until I made that vow, I've kind of been acting my whole life because I've been acting shy. 
I've been acting the way I expect other people to act, to act, expect me to be. And not that that's something I, you know, overtly tried to put out in the world. In fact, I didn't like doing it, putting a face on things, uh, pretending as such, not being myself. And I know we all do that in a subtle way. And so that was the first time I really reflected on, hmm, you know, if you take it another way, then yeah, I've been acting. But I didn't tell her. I just said, nope. She said, okay, then music. You're involved in music. Something to do with music. I can see you in music, in a studio, recording. I see this happening. You're going to work with someone named Tom someday. You're just you're going to record music. And I said, well, I'm uh, I'm in a band with some guys now. I've been in a couple small bands before. I enjoy music, singing. That's all a possibility. That's just great. And then... Um, that, so that was fine. That's true enough. And then she looked right at me and said, do you like Ozzy Osbourne? And I said, he's okay. I like some of his songs and this and that. But I had never listened to Black Sabbath or any of his um, solo material all that much. I never owned any of it. But I said, yeah, it's fine. She said, that's funny because you're going to meet him. You're going to meet him someday. You're going to meet him someday. And I said, okay. And uh, left it at that. And that was the end of the reading. You know, a few, in my mind, a few interesting things left me uh, feeling fascinated and wondering, but um, nonetheless, I left it. So after that, we got, uh, we went away back to the hotel room, and then we walked around and ended up going to the show. Now, what ended up happening at the show was that this wasn't just tickets to a show to go see the band live. I believe I'm getting this right when I say it's K-Rock, um... The radio station in LA that does a Christmas benefit performance every year. And this wasn't a band, this was a lineup of bands that were going to play for many hours. And so there were a lot of bands there, including, I believe, 311, Green Day, Everlong. I ended up seeing Live, who I was most excited to see, but they weren't the final act. They were just one of the bands. And they they played about a 45-minute set, but because it was a lot of bands, the whole point was just a rotation of music. No, I didn't know. And there were more bands I'm not even remembering. But, you know, by this point, my buddy was actually getting tired and wanted to go. And I was like, music, listening to music, I could do this all day and all night. So I just, I stayed, obviously. And there was people beside me I was getting to know who were also contest winners from elsewhere around the country. And we were talking and having a good time. And then lights go down and lights come back up and freaking David Bowie comes out. Now, I'm not an epic David Bowie fan. I like live a million times more. But to be able to see David Bowie perform, um, what can you say? It was a good night. And so that was that. Um, concert ended, went back. Next morning, we fly back to Vancouver. And then, sorry, to Calgary. Now, time passes. You know, I kind of file it all the way. I get back to my normal life. I'm I'm happy. I'm having a good time with life. This is good stuff. And then in the spring of that year, I'm driving to my landscape job and driving my Mustang, a little old kind of beater Mustang, but a nice little one, early 80s Mustang uh, with a, a, a T-bar tea, tea sunroof. It was a nice little car, a nice little black car. I enjoyed it. had a few problems, but yeah, I made it work. Except one day, it wasn't working so good, kind of sputtering all the way in. And so I decided uh, right after I got in, told my boss, you know, I got to take my car in to have a look at. So I looked around where I could take it, and there was a Sears Auto Center very close. And when I had lived in Kamloops, I always brought my car to the Sears Auto Auto Center, 
Maybe because my mom worked in the Sears growing up. We brought our car there. You know, you tend to do things that, you know, have been done before. There's some kind of reliability or trust that you automatically give things that you've done before. It doesn't mean it's real or true, but you do it. And so I brought it there, and I was talking to uh, the guy checking my car in, and then uh, I left my car with him for the day. At the end of the day, I go back to pick up the car, and I'm a few minutes early. This is the end of my work day. He says, oh, he's still working on it. Just have a seat. Be done any minute now. So I'm sitting in the um, in the waiting room, and I look up on the wall, and you know how in the waiting room there's very often photos of the mechanics. You know, it's very much a thing that's been around since the 60s or 70s, you know, like that little, like, you know, trust factor, you know, put a name and a face together and you can see the people who work there, you know, with their overalls on, their name on it. So I'm looking down, I'm looking all the way from the right to the left. I can see it in my head now as I'm telling you this. And when I get all the way to the far left, I look at the last name and it's this bald gentleman and his name is Ozzy Osbourne, <laughs> spelt exactly like Ozzy Osbourne. And so I'm like, well, that's freaking interesting. And everything comes back about, you know, a psychic in LA telling me months ago, you're going to meet Ozzy Osbourne. So I go, wow, that's interesting. And then I keep looking to the left. I look through the doors into the mechanics bay. And my car is right there in the first bay that you can see hoods up. And there's a bald guy working on my engine. And so Ozzy Osbourne's working on my car. And so I said to the person at the counter, hey, can I go uh, see the car, talk to the mechanic for a second? So I went out, I swung the door open, and I said, hey, hey, Ozzy, nice to meet you. He's like, hey, nice to meet you. Car will be ready in a second. Everything will be fine. I said, that's awesome. And by the way, nice to meet you. And I don't know if this will mean anything to you, but I was in L.A. a few months ago, and I had an out-of-the-blue psychic reading, and this lady told me I was going to meet Ozzy Osbourne one day. And I didn't know it was going to be you, but... I'm glad it is, because thank you. I really appreciate what you're doing and meeting you right here now today. And there you go. I went home, and uh, not too long after that, I wrote a song about it. And I'm going to attach that song here for you to listen to. And uh, Ozzy, if you're listening, hey, this would be a good story to tell and a good song to record. I think I do a decent job of it. And once again, my buddy Mitchie B at Mitchie B Productions did all the music um, even though um, I came up with the, the melody, the lyrics, I heard this whole song in my head, which is typical when I write a song. Um, I do vocals and drums. That's all I play at the moment. And yet when I write a song, I kind of hear the whole song. So I described to him how I thought the guitar parts went and all that, and uh, he put it together. So I hope you enjoy it. hope you enjoy the song. hope you enjoyed the story. Uh, one of so many stories I have to tell you about how this life is interesting how there's a mystical aspect to it, but you don't have to overtly be a spiritual person. You just have to be yourself and realize you're going to be in a lot of the right places at the right times if you just relax. Trust your instincts. Trust yourself. Trust your nature to just show up and freaking cool things happen. So with that, enjoy the song. There I sat before her Not one to give 
Hello, fellow humans, and thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, ever since I got this thing started, which was years in the making, I've been excited about uh, doing this, and only this. It's what gives me the most pleasure in life is helping others help themselves, and it's actually what I know the best. Despite all the other things I've studied for, and uh, have had as careers, as experiences, as hobbies, as connections with life, this is it. So to that end, if you'd like to experience, if you'd like to support a very simple human doing this, it doesn't take much for me to survive, and anything over and above that that I ever make from this will always go back into helping others directly. And you can support me by finding me on Red Circle Podcasts, which may be where you're listening. Uh, There's donating information there. I also have an account with something called Libra Pay, where you can find me as Steve Alat, or you can send uh, a donation through PayPal, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com. If any of those aren't sufficient or fail, send me an email. Again, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com. We can figure something out. And uh, thanks for listening. I really, really hope it helps. And if it does, do send me a message. Thanks for your support. <laughs>